I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast where we talk about goaltending science. Jamie, have we figured out a better introduction yet? No, that was actually on my to-do list today. I should have just asked ChatGPT to make us a very good list uh, or intro, but I didn't. But it's good to be back. Um, no guest this week. We had our first guest. Hopefully the reception of that went well. But uh, So we'll just jump right into it. Ben, you presented some goalie data at a conference. And it's nice because when guys like you, very smart, intelligent people, are looking at numbers and looking at science... And it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream and we're trying to look at the importance of goaltending. So um, I just want to hear what was your experience? Like what was kind of your hypothesis? What was your presentation on? And then let's just dive into that. Yeah. So I had a, a poster at a conference called NASPA, which is like the North American for psychology society for oh, i'm gonna butcher the name but now probably know where you where you went yeah i mean now it's there's so many s's and p's there's right. a sports psychology as a symposium uh but it was in toronto uh like last year was hawaii next year is new orleans and i was in toronto <laughs> you got the worst well toronto's not bad at least you have to travel and like have the expenses but like your hawaii still would have been better you know what it took me like an hour and a half to get in and out each like one way each way i yeah, terrible. I hate, I terrible. hate, I hate, I hate to drive through tr- Toronto. It's oh, so bad. It's just terrible. for me to go, like, the QEW is always horrible. Then the QEW, the 403 is always horrible. Just yeah. to get out of the 401, always horrible. And then the first little bit of the 400 is always horrible. It's, you know what? And that's talking Southern Ontario traffic. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so, yeah. well, yeah, what did you present on? So uh, we've talked about a little bit of this this project that I started back um, around the beginning of this year over the holidays in December. And so I wanted to, you know, it always starts every year. We talk about, it, you know, how is Canadian goaltending development doing? What's happening? Are things like, where, where are things shaking out? And so I was presenting some data from about 10 years of CHL goaltending and what happened in the NHL draft uh from those 10 years of the CHL goaltending. Because I wanted to see 
what was the impact of the CHL on NHL drafting? And we've talked about this before, but you know, the across the three leagues in Canada, like teams still select goalies from those three leagues pretty regularly. Um, and especially the data that I looked at was from between 2006, 2015 for CHL drafts. And so when you look at the goalies who were picked in like the CHL between 2005 and 2015, there was a lot of goalies that are there that I would say like were really, really successful and have done really well. We talked about before, like Jordan Bennington's on that list, Jake Allen's on that list. Um, and so I mean, Martin Jones, undrafted NHL goalie, Martin Jones, uh, who's played a lot of NHL games. But the basic thing that that this research looked at is we were looking at really superficial statistics. And when I say superficial statistics, that's games played, wins, save percentage, goals against average. Those are what we call the superficial goalie statistics. So those are the ones that people talk about on media and we talk about growing up. Um, but those are just, you know, they don't necessarily tell us a ton, but we were interested, we wanted, we wanted to know how much those did tell us in terms of, goalies making it to the NHL, goalies being drafted in the NHL. And so few things that we can kind of preliminarily say from our data, first and foremost, NHL teams love drafting tall goalies. Jamie, are you surprised? Wow. I never would have guessed that blows my mind. No, that, that makes sense. Um, was there any, like any like correlations in terms of any, like with that, or is it just straight up height? Yeah, so we looked at, again, like I said, those statistics before. We looked especially just using, like, draft year statistics to see what influence, you know, when a goalie was picked in that first NHL draft year. And height is the the one thing that comes out across every league in the CHL. So WHL, QMJHL, and OHL, height, that's something that teams are going to take. And I've spoken to a few people across different organizations and different levels in pro, in the CHL, and the word that comes up a lot when I raise this data with them is they go, yeah, teams are trying to to project and forecast onto that goalie, what that goalie's going to become, right? Yeah. Like, and, oh, and you know, this goalie. We've talked about this before. Drafts are just potential. Yeah. You're just, you're getting pages of potential. And we talk about my my model of the pie and the, the pie chart of goaltending yeah. skills and, and attributes. You have a little bit more, your pie is a little bit more full if you're tall. Yeah, totally. You don't have to be and as makes... good as other things. Yeah, and it makes sense, right? Like, if there's a lot of research that looks at, like, the value of each draft pick by round, too. And so you, you're you not going to be surprised to hear this, Jamie. But when we look at, you know, the effect of, of NHL draft rounds, like, the goalies just get taller as you go deeper into the rounds, right? Um, because, you know, take the six-foot-six guy in the sixth round, right? That pick is not normally a very good NHL draft pick anyway yeah. in terms of NHL potential. So if you're going to swing, might as well swing on... Someone that's probably that's well, at least that's the logic that we think is being used right now right. right from our data that's what we think is going on i'm sure you know if we could actually just talk to every nhl team's gm and, and scouting staff all right let's uh, get kind of this on here yeah but unfortunately turns out those teams don't like to tell us their scouting philosophy so we have to kind of you know piece it together a little bit uh ourselves from what's available so that's the first thing we should just get jobs you should just get a job as Dan analyst for a team and then just tell the inside scoop on this podcast. Yeah, I think that is a surefire way to get fired and <laughs> get maybe sued from an NDA. Uh, <laughs> but that was the first part of our thing. The second thing that we're doing some work on now is trying to understand uh, what leads from the CHL to the NHL, like what best. If you're playing in you know, the OHL, the QMJHL, the WHL, what 
shows us from, again, the superficial data that we're looking at, what shows us the pathway to the NHL. And Jamie, we've talked a lot about how opportunity and just the right situation is a huge influence. Um, you know, yeah, that's another project that we have in the works, actually looking at pathways. Uh, and so no one steal that idea. Um, it'll make me very sad, but we're looking at pathways trying to explain that. But what we've seen in our data so far is that save percentage, which is, you know, we critique save percentage as a stat. I think after this project, my biggest takeaway is I started going to this project thinking save percentage was like teams were going to care about save percentage. Um, but I didn't think it really told that much of a story. But what I've learned um, from looking at this data and from looking at a big enough sample of, of goalies and games played and, and shots on net is that, you know what? Save percentage is a really good way to tell us who's not going to make it. And you really? talked about this before. Yeah. you've I mean, you've said this before, Jamie. You're like, yes, your save percentage, you know, as a goalie, save percentage is largely influenced by the team around you. But you've always said that that's not a reason to be okay with having bad numbers because you know, there's lots of goalies on teams who didn't make the NHL who had good save percentage this year, right? So being on a team that doesn't succeed or being on a bad team doesn't excuse bad goaltending, yeah. right? So the way that I look at it is I look at save percentage when we have a big enough number of games that a person's played, it can be a little bit like a smoking gun. It tells us, mm, you know what, like maybe this is, con you know, this kind of shows us that this person wasn't going to make it based on this. Uh, we can't say who's going to make it based on save percentage, but we have a really good idea about some general cutoffs, right? And I know like some people like to think like, oh, you know, like a 900 save percentage in the QMJHL is, you know, equivalent to this save percentage in a different league. But when you look, when you start taking a closer look at that data and looking at it, how it translates to the professional game. And, you know, we've talked about how the Q has had some tough goaltending development over the past 15 or so years. Um, what this data shows us is, yeah, actually, no, it turns out that that just might have been worse goaltending. It might not have been as a league effect nearly as much. It might have just been, there's definitely still a league effect, uh, <laughs> but it's not as prevalent as we probably thought it was at first. So well, that, that brings up a couple of things. So what you're saying is, is like the sensitivity of the save percentage is pretty high because you can rule out who's going to be successful rather than the specificity because you're going to can't rule in who's going to be successful. Yeah, like if you have like a if you play fifty five games in an, the OHL and have an eight eighty save percentage, like that's a big enough sample that if you you know what I mean, like you, that should wash out if you are a really good goalie. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like don't get me wrong, if you're a really good goalie on a really bad team, that number might be a lot closer to maybe nine hundred, mm -hmm. right? But it's not going to be eight seventy two. Yeah, it's I think too we many, should also too many goals. We should also. We should try to get a goalie coach from the queue and talk to talk to them about goalie development over the past someone who's been involved for at least like five to ten years because i'm really curious if if it's not necessarily the, the league what is going on in eastern canada that is be like just there's just not as many quality goalies coming out of there like why is, is there are there still like what's going there's gotta be something there's something there's gotta be a reason but there's like, this is what I think about is it's really tricky of like, what does quality, and this brings the question of like, what does quality mean? True. Right. Like True. I think off the top of my head, two goalies from the data set that I've worked with, like Mason McDonald was a second round pick out of the queue. And then Zachary Cowley's obviously, I don't remember, I think maybe Hillary, um, but don't quote me on that. And then Zachary Cowley is obviously the big one. That's yeah. part of that as well. Uh, I, I mean, I, I consider those guys quality goaltenders. I mean, that's sorry, what I mean, NHL 
quality, I guess, is probably the like the the name we should give it. A consistent NHL goalies or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I mean there's like there's team like different people and different research groups have tried to like quantify or put a number on like what's an NHL goalie. Uh and that can, you know, some people say it's like two hundred games, two hundred and fifty games. But that's like a if you play two hundred and fifty NHL games, like holy cow. Like as a goalie. You know what I mean? In the past few years, we've seen like 110 to 120 goalies play at least a game in the NHL. Now, that number has gone up a lot in the last few years compared to 10 years ago. But mm-hmm. still, to think that you can get 250 career games as an NHL goalie means you must be doing something right. That's a lot. It's a lot of games. It's There's a lot of people who you wouldn't think of as good goalies who don't have that and who will never have it because they're out of the league. True. So. It's so hard. It's it, The definition of it is crazy. But I got, I guess... Yeah, I guess I'm looking forward to kind of seeing your your roadmap and your opportunity map and kind of see if there's any sort of patterns with that. Yeah, and I mean, this is my last post. I know we're going to, or last point, I know we're going to jump over to a, a, the second part of this this cast to talk about a different topic. But I think the thing that is the most interesting to me is that if you take a goalie in the second round uh, from the CHL, right, you you really have to believe that they're doing something really well, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they, they've clearly stood out to you. Like early second round, that is a, a valuable pick um, for a lot of teams. Like you're normally going to get an NHL player out of a pick like that on average more times than not. But I always wonder, right? Like you see that second round pick happen. The player plays, you know, another, the goalie plays another year or two in that CHL league that they're drafted from. And then you just put them in the ECHL in their first year. And we've talked about this endlessly, but like, that's the thing that we're looking for. And then we're going to try to analyze is what happens when you put someone in the ECHL at 20 as a goalie. Right. Cause think about, and then, Think about it differently, right? The two first round pick goalies uh, from 2020 or 20, no, 2021, Askarov and Wallstead, right? Their first year in North America, starter in the HL, right? Now, first round, second round, you know, maybe they're not the same goalie, so we can't always compare apples and oranges there. But that is a very, we can, we've talked endlessly about the difference between the ECHL and the AHL, right? And that brings up the topic of like Sebastian Kosa, the Detroit first round pick. Um, and like they, you know, he struggled a little bit, but like, would you rather have someone struggle in the AHL or the ECHL if you want them to give them the best opportunity to succeed as a first round pick? You mean like struggle in the AHL versus be like be better in the coast? I don't know if I mean, like, I'm not yeah. even, you know, that's like, so what be better mean, right? Like, we always talk about how unstructured the ECHL can be at times, and so like. Jamie, how many times did you find yourself just like fighting for your life in the ECHL versus playing a structured game in the AHL? Oh, all the time. And actually, yeah. like now that, that you say that, like if you're struggling in the AHL, you're, you're probably going to struggle in the coast a little bit. That's what am I because it's just so hard to find your groove and everything is just all over the place. And then you know, I'm curious because you, you mentioned, I wonder if you're when using eight, are you going to use age as a variable? Like I'm yeah. curious to see what call like a call 23, 24 year old college goalie, what is their trajectory like? Is it shorter because they say like i don't want to do this and i'm going to go get a job because i have an education or is it like do they I, I'm, I'm really curious to see how like age if age is a any sort of a, like a important variable in this yeah first year pro is a variable that we're considering looking at like what's the first year you entered a pro system that's like a pretty and we should specify that like first year entering as a north american pro is the is the criteria um and that's gonna be something that obviously gets taken account to in our model but it's yeah, it's it's something worth considering. Also, I have a Sebastian Kosa update because I was interested, right? So he got to play in three games in in Grand Rapids and has a decision from two of them, 
right? Which means that he either got in that game or got pulled before the enough mattered, right? But he played 46 games in Toledo in the ECHL, which is like, I mean, a lot of games. Yeah, Toledo's a really good team too. Yeah, you know what? He had good numbers. Uh, went five and two in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, like it sounds like he's having a good year in the ECHL, but the question, I mean, like Detroit's goaltending depth is interesting, but it, it just begs the question, right? Like, do you get out of the ECHL? How often do you guys get out of the ECHL? Like, really out of it? I don't know. It's so hit and miss. Yeah, that's the thing. sometimes guys get out of it for like a brief period of time and they're back in it. It's so well. Garrett Sparks is back in the ECHL this year. Like Crendiers, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he went back to Orlando. It's crazy. Yeah, guy who had like obviously played a bunch of NHL starts. Yeah, he's got I think forty or something last time I checked. So, anyways, this is uh, that's a little summary of of my data and my research. And I say my research, but uh, I couldn't be able to do any of this out without the other people. So, big shout out to my supervisor, Dr. Nick Waddy, and then the other people in the research team, uh, Dr. Catherine Johnston and Dr. Joe Baker, who. If you're interested in learning about talent, go check out Tyranny of Talent. That's a free plug for uh, host personal friend Joe of the show. So I didn't realize, I didn't realize they were sponsoring today's podcast. They were sponsoring today's podcast because uh, they paid for dinner at the conference. So yeah, it's pretty good. I, I yeah. accept that. I'll take that buffalo chicken wrap. All right, Jamie, that's our <laughs> that's our that's our first half. So that's a little deep dive into what uh, I was able to kind of talk about some of that data. I had some great conversations, and it's always fun, you know, being able to kind of explore some basic stuff some more advanced stuff and like you know get people's ideas on, on what they think about it so i'm sure there's some people who are going to agree and disagree with what we said today but mm-hmm. as always we love the feedback but jamie we wanted to cover something else with the last 50 minutes of the cast today what are we talking about ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Question that we're getting a lot. Uh, it's June, so we're about the halfway point in the offseason. What do you do if you don't have access to ice? And this is a tricky, tricky, very tricky question because from my opinion, there are some right and wrong answers, but there also aren't any right or wrong answers because not having ice, it sucks. Terrible. So so the my my actual answer that gets people is do whatever you can to get some ice. So obviously lay that first. The most important thing to do if you don't have access to ice is do what you can to get ice. And I know that obviously is like, a, it's not a great answer. It's not the answer anyone want to hear, but that is the best solution. Now, let's say you are living in somewhere where it's too far away. Maybe you don't have the resources to travel, all these things. What 
can you do, Ben? What, what would be like three things that you tell your goalies or potential goalies to do if they really, truly don't have access to ice for a couple months? Yeah, the first thing I'd say is like maximize what you can do uh, training-wise to get yourself in shape for just hockey. And so if you don't have access to ice, you probably have access to a gym. Um, that's not super unrealistic. Uh, and if you don't have access to a gym, there's actually tons of stuff you can do in your your basement, in your living room. Um, and so the first thing I would say is figure out what your training plan looks like then if, if ice isn't a part of that training plan. Yeah. And uh, that would start for me with just like physical fitness stuff because we always talk about this. The first thing that goes away when you're not skating are your eyes. The first thing to come back when you're not skating is your eyes. When you could get back into it, right? That's the, the yeah. first thing that goes but the first thing that can come back pretty quickly. So you're not going to just lose that, like you're tracking, you will get that back. It will take some time. Yeah, it'll take some yeah. time, but like, you're not just going to forget how to track a puck. Yeah. So, but knowing, but you will, you know, if you're coming back to the ice after not skating for a while and you are exhausted doing those basic tracking drills that you're doing, trying to get your tracking back, that's going to slow down your, your process. So Jamie, that's my first one. I say, figure out your off-season programming, your training weight, right? That might be, you know, having a sprint program and lifting. That might be working with a coach directly. That might be doing an online program. There's lots of different things you can do. Jamie, number two, what are you thinking? Oh, this is tough because, yeah, I mean, like, what, I'm going to try to deviate away from, like, the obvious, like, play other sports and general athleticism because I, I think yeah. you, you covered it. Um, this is tough. This is this is tough because I don't because you'll see a lot of people or a lot of goalies will you know they'll try to they'll try to like force it like they'll put their gear on and go on the carpet and stuff and I don't is that is it the best thing to do no is it the worst thing to do probably not um, one I guess one thing that I don't think is too bad this might be a little bit left field is if you have like a, a friend or you get one of your parents. Um, if you can put on your gear and just sit in the butterfly on like some carpeting and stuff to protect your pads and have someone shoot pucks at you, you are getting an actual release of the puck. Yes, yeah. you're not going to get T-pushed. You're not going to get these things. Not everyone has synthetic ice in their basement. So I, Phoenix Copley and I did that uh, because Tech would take out the ice for like, I used to do it for a long time after the season. And so we had like a puck pit and Phoenix and I would just shoot on each other. And is it the best thing to do? No, but is it the worst? No, and it's better than, better than doing nothing. So I think that would be my second suggestion is just sit in your butterfly, have someone shoot pucks hard, just work, keep that tracking going. Um, you know, your, your athleticism when it comes to skating and T-pushing and all that stuff, like you're going to be a little rusty when you get back on the ice. That takes time. But as long as you've had some good, like a good training summer, you know, the general athleticism will be there. Yeah, I guess like the theme from those first two is try to minimize what you're losing by not being on the ice, mm -hmm. right? Like, so yeah. your example was like trying to lose your tracking. My example is trying to lose your physical, like your, your game shape or your practice mm -hmm. shape, right? And I think that's, if you're not playing hockey, try to minimize what you're not able to do. I did want to actually have a question. I don't know. What are your thoughts on like throwing on a pair of like goalie rollerblades? I've never done it. Have you ever done it? No, I've never done it. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I work with some roller hockey goalies and they play both. Um, I, I guess I, I can't speak to it directly because I've never done it. Um, but it, I guess it's worth a try. Like my goalies can do like sort of the, with the ones that do roller, like can do like edge work stuff. They could T push. They, 
they don't really shuffle. They kind of like do that finish hop, yeah. but they can still like slide and all these things, especially when they're on that, like that plasticky surface. So I, I guess maybe that's not like the worst, the worst thing. I mean, I know the nets are, are like, what are they for? They're four, four by four. They're shorter. They're, they're smaller. At least the, my goalie that played pro in, in Europe, they were smaller. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I guess I I can't speak to it because I I've never done it. Yeah, neither have I. But I mean, I always know that the guys that I played with the forwards who played a roller were are like such good hands. The roller guys. So I that's true. I mean, I wonder again how much that translates to goaltending. Who knows? I guess my second question on top of that is I never did really synthetic ice. Did you ever do much synthetic ice work, Jamie? Not. Uh, once but i didn't have gear on i just put my skates when i was in the uk and the sports store had it and i was looking at like doing lessons in there so here's here's my opinion on synthetic ice and i know synthetic ice is getting better and better and better as the years go on hmm. is it the best no is it better than doing nothing yes and is probably the most realistic to what you will get if you don't have access to ice yes your slides are not going to be as strong Yes, you're going to have a lot more friction and resistance when you're pushing. But in terms of trying to replicate being on the ice, if someone was like, I, it's, I either skate on synthetic ice and do drills or I don't do anything at all, I would say skate on synthetic ice at, for sure 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I think that's where I stand for sure too. I don't have really anything else to add. I think the, you know, a lot as I've, I've read more and, and seen more, is that, you know, there's a, sometimes you just got to be pragmatic with what you have, right? Be practical with what's available yeah. to you. Um, and I think that is going to kind of lead into our next one, which is we talk a lot about different types of technology that people are trying out to to get involved. But I'm going to say something, Jamie, that I think goes against... Oh, that was quick. That was smooth. I was prepared for this. <laughs> if, uh, if anyone is listening well most people are probably listening to this rather than watching you're watching on youtube yeah jamie is just thrown on his visual edge maybe this will be the instagram this will be the instagram reel yeah you can let's save that we're going to be covering that uh in in future episodes pretty soon here but yeah i think the the one thing i'm going to say is and i've definitely changed my mind on this uh over the past little bit of while and i'm i'm you know, Jamie and I are always happy to admit when we're wrong. I, you know what? I love to be wrong. Um, I think Jamie I don't, and I, act- I don't, but I, I, but I will admit when I'm wrong. I don't love it, but I will admit when I'm wrong. I mean, I, I think Jamie and I are skeptical people by nature, but I like when I'm presented with enough justification, uh, to change my mind on things. And so, um, you know, we've talked about like, I, you know, some eye training things or like VR work mm-hmm. with different things. Again, you said this before too, Jamie, if you don't have access to ice um, and it's not because it's a cost thing, but rather just like a location thing or just, you know, the reality of where you, what's going on in your situation, but money isn't a huge, huge hangup for the reason you're not skating. I'm really not opposed uh, to trying out some VR stuff or trying out, um, you know, some eye work gaze behavior training. Jamie's got his, his glasses on now. I can't stop laughing looking at you. Um I actually, you know what, I think I'm coming around to the idea, especially because doing something is better than doing nothing. And and I think yeah. a lot of the time we really have to just acknowledge that. The thing I will say is don't replace your ice time opportunities with things that aren't ice time. 
unless it's a supplement. It's a supplement. Yeah, it's it's a supplement. Supplement. Exactly. That's a really nice way of phrasing it, Jamie. Right? Yeah. And I, I agree too. So like I'm a little bit more bullish on some of those things. Not really VR. Again, I've never used it. And I do think some of the like- Wait, do you mean bear? Like, are you pro it or against no, it? No, bullish is- Good. You're you're up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sure. more, I'm more bullish than you for some oh, of these things. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Especially when it comes to vision training, because I did, I worked with Dr. Ackerman. So, so you know, everyone's getting a free show today. So it's a Dr. Curtis Ackerman. He's, uh, he runs Milton Sports Vision in Milton, Ontario. Uh, really good at what he does and spending um i think maybe two months working with him it actually did make a difference um in my ability to track like the pucks just seemed slower i felt like i was getting more focused on it i found that i had some deficiencies in like um there was a little bit of nervous nervous like um like optical nerve weakness as well as multi-object tracking was my biggest weakness so like being able to pick up pucks through screens um and like flash screens and stuff and so we we spent a lot of time working on that so i i'm it's something that i've used in the past now i put the the visual edge glasses on and we'll talk a little bit more and we'll have some episodes but visual edge reached out to us and they wanted us to test their product and to give an honest opinion of it and talk about it and we our plan is to do that this week um the week that you're listening to this depending if it's well today's june 4th um and then we'll have some upcoming episodes if we really like it then it'd be something that we're going to recommend to our goalies. But I think using these things as a substitute, it's it's probably going to help and it's not going to hurt. Um, I know people that like the VR. Um, I know some people, it's just, I, we've, we, you know, if if anyone works at Sensorino wants to send us one to try it, we will definitely try it. Um, but I, I do know that like a lot of other sports and like baseball, specifically a lot of baseball do a lot of vision stuff. And what I like about the sense arena is that there's baseline testing. So you can see improvements. You're going, if you're improving, you're going to see improvements. Um, it's tracking, it's keeping all that. And I think that's really, really important, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about more in that, uh, in depth and different episodes, but I, I agree with Ben. Like if you absolutely, if you have the resources for these things and you are limited to ice because of location or whatever, maybe you're injured or something, um, sure. This is definitely something that you can look into. And we're not going to say like, you know, we're, if you're listening to this pod and you're a frequent listener, you know that we're not all like, we don't jump on the bandwagon of things very easily. In fact, we are actively trying to burn a lot of bandwagons, but, um, but we like, if you find, if it's something you want to do and you're going to be consistent with it and it's going to, and you want it to help your training and you're going to enjoy it and say it's going to get you off the couch watching Netflix or playing video games, um, that, then go do it. Like, go do it. It's okay. And maybe maybe it works really well for you. We don't know that because it's not like there's been studies done that have looked at these differences. But if you like it and you feel like it's going to work for you, it's probably going to work for you. Yeah. And I really want to double down on, on the thing you said earlier is that view these things as supplements, not substitutions. Right. Like I had a good conversation, uh, though, the work that gets done in, in the research lab that I'm a part of, like there's vision training and vision behavior research that's done, uh, including some people who work with professional sports team on the vision, on, on vision and gaze behavior things. Right. So that's something that comes up a lot. And when we've talked about vision training in the past, that's kind of the, the big thing is that it can be really important. And we do see that really good athletes are really good with their vision. There is that correlation seen in a couple different sports. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but those people are also really good at a lot of other things, not just their vision too. Right. And so yeah. that's why there's a healthy level of being skeptical involved. Yeah. Um, and that, and that, and that is really important is because like, again, you, if you are young, 12 or 13 year old goalie, and you're comparing yourself to what a goalie in the NHL who's already in the NHL and someone gave him a VR headset and he's like, oh yeah, I use it. He's not in the NHL, uh, because of that VR headset. Maybe it's helping him when he's there, but he's not Mm -hmm. there because of it. So that's something really important to do, but maybe doing VR or doing, you know, visual edge or or working with a sports optometrist helps improve their game, like three, two to 3% then in the NHL level, that's a big difference. And Huge. so we're always looking for things to do to try to give ourselves the advantage over a competition. Again, these are things we'll, we'll talk about visuals later, but in terms of what you should do, if you have the opportunity, try it. Don't use it as a substitute. I've seen, I've seen goalie coaches that will put goalies on the ice with a VR headset. And that drives me crazy because if you're paying for ice, just to shoot shoot the puck and that's my own personal i don't know i don't, I don't like it chagrin is that i don't know is that the word no i, 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 I mean, like i guess i think it, i think it's, right? i think it's yeah i think that's a waste of resources i'll be honest but doing the stuff off the ice it sure it's not going to hurt your game in anyways jamie i've like uh, we've talked about this before but i had a really great question at the conferences we'll kind of use this to wrap wrap and t- wrap it up and tie all the topics together here but I was talking to someone and they asked a really great question and they were like, all right, so you're saying that these superficial statistics aren't the best. And then you're also telling me that expected goals at the CHL level is probably really complicated to see how that would project into like expected goals at the NHL level. Mm-hmm. So what do we do then? Right? Like why, why do you think, you know, what do we look for? And I started talking about how I think there are things that we look at when we see really good goalies, but we don't measure what those are. Like you, you know, we look at them and we are, we're identifying those good things that they yeah. do. For example, like a really good skater is someone who doesn't get out of position a lot. Mm-hmm. And, but someone who doesn't get out of position a lot isn't necessarily a good skater, right? So it's not, it's this complicated pathway. But the the thing that they kind of asked me about is, I, and then we started talking about is this idea then, and Derek Bujan mentioned this last week, is that you, you can't teach positioning. And they were like, what do you mean? Like, we have lots of research in different sports about teaching spatial awareness and training that. And my response is, and we talked about this is when have you ever seen a power play drill that gets blown down because the goalie went to the wrong spot? Yeah, you, you don't. Right. And we talk about goalie training and, you know, I think your, your posts and your videos at Michigan tech are great. You have a great setup where you have two, three shooters, lots of options, right? But even with two and three shooters and you staying on the ice, that is still not a game replication. Yeah. Right. There's no defenders there. Or if there is, there's only one. Right. Like it's, it's, you know, like it's, I know like there's studies that will measure like spatial awareness, but the common denominator with all those studies is basically just repetition and learning when you're in the wrong spot so that you can not be in that spot again in that situation. So you end up in the right spot and that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you don't have, traffic in the way if you don't have a five versus five situation you can right and like again i think you can get really good at getting to the right spot working on the ice like t pushing through the crease making sure cutting through the crease getting your chest square getting on the angle that's stuff i think you can do but i think we see goalies struggle with it all the way up to the nhl level Mm -hmm. because they do 
thousands and thousands and thousands of reps outside of that, you know, game replicable, game identifiable situation. And that's, yeah. I think that's why we see goalies who are great at it. That's why we think they might just be really good at it because it's, we don't really have the availability to train it. And so that ties everything together. Goaltending stats is complicated and you might actually get a little funky with your positioning if you're not able to access ice mm -hmm. in the summer. But that doesn't mean you still can't prevent losing some of those other important things like your, you know, your physical strength and your endurance um, as well as like, you know, your puck tracking with some of the ideas we talked about today. So this that you before I'm going to get one last statement. And so you had said that you talked about trying not to lose things. Mm -hmm. I guess this is my question that I'm going to end this on is, do you think that you can make positive gains towards your on ice game? If you don't have access to the ice and outside of becoming more explosive, stronger, and possibly better vision, and we'll put that one on asterisks. But I think that's a hard, that's hard because it sucks. It sucks because you can definitely mitigate some of the losses. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest, my 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 gut feeling is I don't know if you can make meaningful or statistically significant gains without being on the ice. I wonder. That's a great question. I'm sure we. And can I don't measure. know, but that that's, yeah. that's my first thought. I'm sure because the way we can measure that. Um, I know like someone will say like, oh, you can just do ghost saves and stuff. But like there was that, that, that Brian Decord experiment he did, they, they were still not, they weren't taking shots, but they were still on the ice. Yeah. So it's hard to, hard to say. I think every layer that you remove from a game situation is one layer farther away from the reason you train and work towards something. I like and that. I think that's, that's just, the, that's just the way it is, right? So you want to reduce the amount of layers you peel back. Yeah. Um, most of the time, look, there's definitely things that you need to learn how to do, right? Like you need to learn how to T push and butterfly push, and you can learn how to cut forward, backward cuts when you're pushing in a butterfly. That doesn't need to be done in the game situation when you first learn it, but to master something, yes, it needs to be done at a yeah. high enough intensity, um, and high enough caliber that most closely mimics the situation that you're in. And so on that note, Jamie, what should people do if they're listening to this podcast? They should subscribe to my Patreon, uh, <laughs> like uh, because content is coming in hot starting tomorrow because the ice is back at Michigan Tech, baby, and that Jeez. means Jamie is recording. I I have a Google Doc of like four pages of content things I need to to film, so I'm gonna be busy editing. But follow Patreon, like, subscribe uh, to Goalie Science. Honestly, the biggest thing you can do is just share it. The the, the most yeah. important thing you do is, is subscribe and share. And it, it really helps out a lot. The more people we get listening, the better. We start, like, again, the whole visual edge thing. We'll talk about how we got that hooked up. And that was because someone just listened to the pod and heard me mention it. And so that means it's getting out there. And so we're glad that we're able to help and inform and, and be a catalyst to discussion in the community. Try to dispel some myths. Try to answer some questions that don't have answers and going from there. So, Ben, till next week, buddy. Until next time. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.